Good evening. It is 5 p.m. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and you're listening to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM. CFRC is based in Kingston, Ontario, on Queen's campus. Our news programming is brought to you by the local journalism initiative at Queen's University and What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street. To start us off, over the weekend, protesters gathered and marched around City Hall to show their support for Palestine. This is not the first rally to take place in Kingston regarding this cause, but this was the Kingston chapter of a global effort with protests organized across the country on Saturday afternoon under the title 100K March for Gaza or Within Canada National Day of Action for Palestine. Over 20 cities answered the call to organize a demonstration in support of the following three demands. Firstly, an immediate ceasefire. Secondly, lifting the siege on Gaza to allow for immediate aid. And thirdly, an end to Canada's complicity in Israel's war crimes, genocide, and colonization of Palestinian land. In Kingston, over 100 protesters showed up to have their voices heard, arriving at 2 p.m. and continuing to march around City Hall, spreading posters and flags throughout the afternoon and evening. On Friday, November 3rd, No Clear Cuts Kingston Incorporated hosted their Stop the Chop Party Till You Drop gala at Grant Hall. No Clear Cuts Kingston Inc. has been working for two years to stop a local developer from clear-cutting 2,000 trees and filling in a provincially significant wetland on the former tannery site beside the Cataraqui River. The previous City Council in September 2022 voted against the clear-cut, but the developer appealed to the Ontario Land Tribunal. No Clear Cuts Kingston has party status at the Ontario Land Tribunal and is aiming to raise $50,000 to hire expert witnesses to defend Council's vote there. The gala, which was part of their most recent fundraising efforts, was a massive success, raising thousands of dollars which will go towards their cause. I sat down with Kathleen O'Hara with No Clear Cuts Kingston Incorporated to chat about the gala and the overall mission of No Clear Cuts Kingston Incorporated. Uh, my name is Kathleen O'Hara. I'm one of the five directors of No Clear Cuts Kingston, Inc. We started off two plus years ago as just No Clear Cuts Kingston. But uh, now that we're going to go to the Ontario Land Tribunal, uh, we had to uh, incorporate. So mm-hmm. now we're No Clear Cuts Kingston, Inc., which sounds pretty pretentious, but that's it. So um, we were, as I said, we were, we started up about two and a half years ago when we heard that uh, a local developer whose name I'm not allowed to mention now because we're up against him at the Ontario Land Tribunal. But anyway, he's fairly notorious around Kingston for building pretty slapdash buildings. Students have complained about his buildings. And now he wants to clear cut 37 acres just south of Bell Park and Bell Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people can picture that, it's um, a lot of people know where the River Mill restaurant is. If you go north along the Cataraqui River, you'll come to a chain link fence, and that's River Street, and the chain link fence is around the, the tannery site. That site has been sitting empty, except for nature um, and the odd homeless person, for 50 years. So the trees, the flora and fauna have, have just had, their, had a free reign and they've grown and they've flourished. Um, the developer has said that there is nothing there, that it's a silent spring, that it's a dead zone because it's so contaminated. But Professor Matt Regalski, 
of the Department of Music has taped the sounds of all the vibrant wildlife you can hear there from frogs, uh, birds, whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a lovely potential forest reserve, nature reserve. We've been talking to a group called Phyto Action there at the University of Montreal. And they have said that nature heals itself and it, it is healing itself on the tannery site. And we have to just continue with more human intervention. So you plant certain trees, you cut down certain other ones that might be um, unhealthy and you, you help nature heal itself rather than just destroying nature entirely. Now, the developer wants to build 1,600 after he clear cuts. He's going to pave over whatever, whatever areas he's not building on. And then he's going to build 1,650 unaffordable housing units. We think some condos, probably luxury condos along the river, uh, and he's going to add commercial and 1,200 parking spaces. Now the city says, oh, this will be so green because people can walk into town. Well, with 1,200 parking spaces, I'm not sure how green it is. Mm -hmm. um, also, if it's paved, how can trees grow there? His diagram of what he plans to do has trees around it, but you can't plant trees on concrete, on clay, uh, clay cover. So it's just going to be a treeless, probably substandard, probably overcrowded um, housing area, housing and commercial area with, as the mayor says, up to 5,000 people. That is going to destroy the lovely areas of Bell Island and Bell Park, as well as obviously the 37 acres will just be wiped out. So we think that there are other places to build along Montreal Street. The city itself has indicated empty spaces, empty properties along Montreal. There's some on division. We have 20 parking lots downtown. Other cities know how to develop on parking lots to include parking and housing. Um, anyway, uh, I hope that's a bit of a background for you. No, that was great background. Thank you very much for getting into that. Uh, City Council voted against this a while ago, um, but the developer, of course, took it to the Ontario Land Tribunal. I was wondering if you could get into the specifics of that. Yes, well, it was the previous City Council. They voted eight to five. The, the mayor voted for the clear cut. He's very pro-development and very developer friendly. Um, so now the city has to fight the developer, whether the top city staff or not want to, because the city staff, the planning staff were for the development. In fact, somebody came up to me recently and said, you know, it's very rare that city, a city council will vote against the recommendations of planning staff, but our city council, our previous city council, had the courage to look at the facts and say, no, we, we disagree with planning staff and we also disagree with the mayor. So 
so once that that vote was on September 4th, a year ago, 22. So once that happened, the developer appealed to the Ontario Land Tribunal, which is his right. Although I think a lot of developers know that citizens groups just don't have the same amount of money and that it's going to be very difficult for them to go to take part in the Ontario Land Tribunal. So because city council voted for uh, against the, the clear cut, the city is now now has to go to the Ontario Land Tribunal as our ally, in spite of the mayor and city staff, they are legally bound to go to the Land Tribunal and defend city council's democratic vote. So we're hoping that the city will do that with all sincerity because that is their responsibility. Anyway, what it means for us is that we have to raise at least $50,000 because when you go to the Ontario Land Tribunal, you have to have really good witnesses. Mm -hmm. So we're having to hire a land use planner, a hydrogeologist, um, an envirotoxicologist, all these people who can go up against the developer and his so-called experts. Now the developers experts have said things like, oh, we'll move the hundred turtles that have been counted along the shorefront. You can't move turtles. They've also said, we'll create another wetland because this, this plan calls for, the developers plan calls for paving over half of what has been designated as a provincially significant wetland. So we have to get the best expert witnesses we can. We were lucky uh, because the Canadian Environmental Law Association, CELA, we applied to get a free lawyer and we have one, Rick Lindgren, who has years of experience before um, it was first the Ontario Municipal Board, then it was the LPAT, don't ask me what that stood for. Um, and now it's the Ontario Land Tribunal. And he's been working with all three. When we first applied to be what they call a party at the tribunal, along with the city, um, uh, ordinary people were allowed to become participants. And Rick, as I said, who has been working since the 80s in this field, said he's never had a case where there were so many participants. Mm -hmm. So that, that shows how much local support we have. A hundred people wrote in asking to be a, a participant and, and writing their submissions. They can't appear before the tribunal. We, our witnesses can, but their, their submissions will count as some kind of evidence. Um, so he said in his many years, he hasn't seen that much participation. So we're very proud of Kingston, I must mm -hmm. say. Um, the, the developers, lawyers, tried to um, disqualify a lot of our, our participants. They said, oh, they spelled their names wrong, or they, they, various excuses. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but the um, tribunal agreed that these people were totally valid. And so we've got quite a, quite a group behind us. 
So that's great. The hearing is at the end of January. So we've been fundraising and getting the witnesses together for more than a year. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Thank you very much for all that background. And speaking of your fundraising, you had the Stop the Chop Party Till You Drop Gala at Grant Hall Friday. Just to cut right to the chase, how much did you raise at the gala? Well, we think um, we haven't actually counted it all. We've all been <laughs> relaxing after, over the weekend. Of course, well-deserved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We think about 12000 Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. In one night. So ticket sales were probably about 10000 and then, um, or nine or 10. And mm-hmm. then uh, we had a silent auction. And again, Kingston was wonderful. We had, mm-hmm. we had wooden heads, the black dog group, something in the water, uh, mango tie, Verde, the screening room, novel idea. So many stores gave us gifts or minotaur. Um, gifts or gift certificates. So we had a lot to for people to bid on. Um, we were we were supported by the um, by it, actually we didn't come up with the idea. It was the Queen's backing action on the climate crisis and mm-hmm. the Kingston Youth Climate Action Group. And um, so they came to us and said, we'd like to help you fundraise. And they suggested a semi-formal gala. So, uh, and the Alma Mater Society, the um, sustainability group within the Alma Mater Society was very helpful as well. And we, uh, so we've been working on it for quite a few weeks and Mm -hmm. months, actually. We started in the summer and suddenly, I mean, it, it's there's so many things to deal with, I mean, not just pulling together the silent auction, but we got Spencer Evans and the Morning Doves as our musicians. We had a, a wonderful young cellist playing out in the front hall as people arrived. I mean, we had to have coat check, thing, coat check organized. And, mm-hmm. Ah, and Van <laughs> Rie, I know, I'm still exhausted. Banri, the Banri Center for Women, which is just down the street from mm-hmm. Grand Hall, gave us their kitchen for the night. And so we were heating up food and chopping veggies and cheese. And the students were so wonderful. They laid out everything so artistically and, and they were so hardworking. I can't thank them enough or we can't. No clear cuts can't thank them enough. So we're on our way. Uh, I mean, for example, one quilt was donated, um, a lovely quilt by Darby Bailey. And uh, we had the starting bid, I think, at 300. And it went for, well, the eventual donation to No Clear Cuts was 1500 wow. based on mm-hmm. that quilt. Of course, mm-hmm. it, was, it was the quilt maker's sister who did it, but still... <laughs> That's still, yeah, still $1,500 to no clear cuts. So that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, it was, it was almost like a family event in many ways. But the other thing that was wonderful about Friday was that it was young people and old. I mean, people Mm -hmm. my age and I'm older. And then all the students were just mingling together. And it was, it was a lovely combination uh, of young and old, as I said. 
the big thrill of the evening was when uh, David Suzuki came on the big screen. Hmm. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. That sounded super exciting. Yes, it was. Well, I had his personal email because I worked for Elizabeth May of the Green Party. I'm not a Green Party member. I don't belong to any party. I just work for people I like. But, um, uh, well, and that wouldn't be certain people, I must say. But um, I had his personal email. So I wrote to him and told him about the tannery and the clear cut. And and, um, he wrote back the next day and said, I'd be honored. So he spoke for probably about 10 minutes and did about uh, 15 minutes of questions. And we'd had a person with a question mark walking around the the, the audience or the guests um, and and collecting questions from the guests. (laughs) So it all worked out beautifully. And he was so passionate and he really, I think, impressed people with the urgency of fighting the climate crisis and saving nature, saving trees, saving wildlife, our biodiversity, saving our wetlands, which, you know, when I was growing up, they were considered swamps. Mm -hmm. And who cared about swamps? But now we know they clean the air, they foster biodiversity, they're very valuable, they prevent flooding, as do trees. So I think we're learning. I didn't know this about trees. Even after two years of fighting to save the forest, I just learned recently that the particulates that we had in our air at the beginning of the summer with the fires, the wildfires, Mm -hmm. trees will absorb those in their leaves, the particulates in their leaves and bark. So help clean the air that way. They're very, very useful to us, and we shouldn't be destroying them, especially so close to downtown. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's amazing to hear that so many different sectors of the community came together and made this night special. I was wondering, where can folks learn more and contribute to this cause if they're interested? Well, they can go to, well, just to back up, we Mm -hmm. partnered with um, a group called the Small Change Fund, and there they provide a service to small uh, nonprofit groups across the country and they'll do your bookkeeping for you and then and and keep track of all your donations and they pay they help pay our expenses out of our uh, the funds raised I don't know how we could have done it without them they also give donors a tax receipt so we are called you can google Small Change Fund, Stop the Chop, and go to our site on the Small Change Fund website, and people can donate there. You can also, if people want to get our monthly newsletter, they can go to No Clear Cuts 2023, No Clear Cuts 2023 at gmail.com. And we send out a pretty short, but I I hope, feisty newsletter, just keeping people up to date with what's going on. Um, and I guess uh, those are the two main ways to to be involved. Mm-hmm. Or they, if you're a student, you can join QBAC or Queen's Backing Action on the Climate Crisis or Kingston Youth Climate Action. I think they're all feeling pretty upbeat after mm-hmm. the sec- success A couple of them said it was one of the best experiences they'd ever had. Oh, wow. That's amazing. 
-hmm. Yes, it was. It was. I think it's because we, when you work that hard on something, you have no idea whether it's going to be a success or a failure. And when it's a pretty major success, you just think, wow, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, we're thinking of organizing another fundraiser because we enjoyed that one so much. And we'd actually already had a fundraiser, um, Frank Ryan, who's a local musician, and his now wife came to us and said, we'd like to organize um, a musical night fundraiser at Musiki. So we had that on October 5th, and it was equally successful. I mean, not in terms of money or crowds, but for, for what it was, it was very mm -hmm. successful. So we're thinking of doing another smaller version like that. And in that case, we had Savannah Shea and Spencer Evans again, and uh, Buck's Moonlight Revival and Frank Ryan. And at one point, uh, the musicians were playing and they got a standing ovation. So I'm learning a lot about the musical scene mm -hmm. in Kingston and how so many of them are just wonderful and care about the uh, about the city and, and nature. Also, um, some wonderful artists donated their work. Margaret Hughes is quite well known in Kingston and she donated a pastel and a watercolor, which both went fairly quickly on, at the silent auction. Bill Bosworth, who's a, a longtime musician around Kingston, donated his art and it was lovely and it went for a nice price. So people are, are just being wonderful, I have to say. It's very heartening. So I was just going to say, we hope that the city is sincere or works hard to help defend the vote, city council's vote, because we're hearing rumors that, you know, they, because the mayor and, and top staff are for the clear cut, there's, there must be some things happening at city hall that, actually we find quite scary um so that's one reason i'm happy to be on this show because we want to not let people know how successful we're, we've been but also some of the concerns we have and um tell people that they should keep an eye out for anything that uh oh is a little um questionable about what's happening at City Hall. Once again, that was Kathleen O'Hara with No Clear Cuts Kingston Incorporated. Be sure to keep up with NCK Inc. on the channels Kathleen mentioned, and keep an eye out for their upcoming events. Queen's University has debuted a new name for the Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences after a $1 million donation. Queen's Engineering has been proclaimed the Stephen J. R. Smith Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science, or Smith Engineering for short, after Stephen J. R. Smith, philanthropist and Queen's Engineering alumnus, made the monumental donation. The name may sound familiar as he is also the namesake of Queen's University's Smith School of Business, named in 2015 after a $50 million donation from Smith. A sea of business casual and recognizable purple jackets could be seen at Mitchell Hall this morning, filling the first and second floor. After an opening performance from the Queen's Marching Band, representatives from business and engineering at Queen's took the stage to share their vision of the future for the faculty. Kevin Deluzio, Dean of Smith Engineering, discussed the university's commitment to a new era for the faculty. Talking about engineering education globally, there's a recognition that the current approach to engineering education must shift to a much more broader and interdisciplinary approach. The skills that are 
creative thinking, curiosity, resilience, empathy, leadership. Our students need to have the confidence and the ability to address these complex challenges with deep technical development, but also an awareness of societal So we're committed here to setting these students up for success, and that means becoming the Canadian leader in the development and implementation of a new model of engineering education. We know that the key is to affect student motivation. Motivated students learn better, as do students who have more autonomy, who have more directed feedback. Finally, Principal Patrick Dean took the stage to make the official announcement proclaiming the faculty the Stephen J.R. Smith Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. Our goal is very clear. Queens will equip the next generations of students with the knowledge, the skills, and the mindset to drive positive change here and around the world. Queens is committed to being the Canadian leader in the development and implementation of a new model of engineering education that is technically rigorous, multidisciplinary, experientially focused, socially conscious, and creatively inspired. <laughs> now I'd like to invite Dean Luzio, Dr. Rainbow, Aiden, and Mary Wilson Pride to join me on stage for the moment when you're mentioned truly beats. Thank you. for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming. Brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next.
What Will I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What Will I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What Will I Wear. Dear listeners, as you may have heard, Meta, which owns Instagram and Facebook, is blocking Canadian access to all content created by news providers, including this radio station, in response to the Online Broadcasting Act. Access to local news and information matters to everyone, and while radio stations use their airwaves to keep you informed, we also use social media to share local news, events, and initiatives, and even content about our upcoming programming. We need you to write your MP and convey your concerns. Learn more and find a letter template for your MP on our website, cfrc.ca. Thank you for your support. App Party Clinic provides cervical cancer screening for patients without a family doctor. Patients without family doctors from Kingston and the surrounding area received important preventative cancer screening this week as Kingston Health Sciences Center hosted its annual PAP Party Cervical Cancer Screening Clinic. The Kingston Clinic was fully attended, seeing 88 individuals, marking a success for the program and patients in need of important routine screening. The Southeast Regional Cancer Program, located at KHSC, has been running these pop-up clinics for nine years at locations across southeastern Ontario. They are free to attend and open to anyone with a cervix who does not have a family doctor. Another PAP party for residents in the Belleville area in partnership with Hastings Prince Edward Public Health is scheduled for October 26th. So if you don't have a healthcare provider, you can email papparty at kingstonhsc.ca or phone 1-800-567-5722 extension 6071 to learn more about future pop-up PAP clinics. 